Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. Those of you that are listening to me today, this is a wonderful opportunity for us to open up God's Word and to really experience it in a very special way. Some of you that might be listening now don't realize that between the last time I spoke and this time, which is a two-part message, generally pastors will do it one Sunday and hit second part the next Sunday, but we took last Sunday off. And that's because what we refer to here as Lady Irma, Hurricane Irma, came through and changed our entire weekend, and for many of you have really changed your lives. For sure, it has changed your landscape around your house in some way, hasn't it? Well, as I'm speaking this message, little did we ever think, as I was preparing this message and delivering it two weeks ago, that this message on God's mind on paper, excuse me, uh, looking at ourselves through the eyes of God, that that message would have such a dramatic impact on us because we had no idea that Irma was so much brewing out there in the Atlantic and then fire up some steam, and then by the time last weekend hit, she then hit us and went straight up the peninsula. And obviously, we didn't have the damage that they had in the Caribbean, in the Keys, South Florida, and perhaps even in other places, but for us, it was quite devastating. When I think about that storm and all the wind that was blowing, and especially during the daytime and we were without power and all of that, I'm reminded of the times that I have flown, and as I have the opportunity to travel and speak, it's uh, pretty common. I've been through a whole lot of stuff. I have not been through a plane crash yet, thank the Lord, but I've been through a lot of stuff. I remember I was seated on a plane, and it was storming outside. We were on the plane waiting to uh, taxi out and take off, and I noticed next to me was someone who is not experienced in flying and was very scared and was staring out the window. The hands were like white on their on their seat handles, and looked over at me and said, I am really scared. And so I just leaned over to that person. I said, you know, in a few moments, I want you to know that we're going to take off. And when we take off, in a few minutes, we're going to break through these clouds, and this entire cabin will be filled with sunlight so bright that they'll be asking us to pull down the shades. Well, that person not experienced in flight looked over at me as if you've got to be crazy. And I just, with a kind of a twinkle in my eye, decided I'm just going to let the experience teach this person. And in a few moments, sure enough, we broke through all that turbulence, the clouds, the rain, and we're above the clouds. And it was true. The light was so strong inside that uh, cabin that they asked us to lower the shades. Now, why am I telling you that story? Because I would certainly believe that you have been through your own storms in life. I don't know, you might be going through one right now. There's a lady that's seated right here worshiping with us this morning that she gathered up her things and she went to go stay with her parents. Little did she know that when she would return after the storm that a tree would cut her trailer right in half, destroyed it, just like that. Now there's a woman who a few weeks ago would not even thought that would ever happen. This message is coming from God to her. I just happen to be the frail mouthpiece that'll give it. Now, I want you to know that maybe you didn't have a lot of damage in your house. Maybe your health is going well. Your finances seem to be okay. Your family is ticking along real well. I can promise you that man is appointed unto trouble as the sparks fly upward. Job said that, and he's the one who knew a whole lot about trouble in his life. And so I would like to encourage you to stay with us during this message today. And if you can, ask the Lord to take the clutter out of all the things left undone, the things you still have to do. 
and let God speak to you. This message, although is God looking at you, you looking at yourself through the eyes of God, it's not so much about you, although that's a part of it. It is about you seeing the wonder of our great God, no matter what you're going through, so that you would be encouraged. But in addition to that, and that's why I provide notes for you, is that you would keep these notes from Sunday to Sunday and then categorize them the way you'd like them and then use them in your discipling ministries with one another, family members, friends, others that you're leading to Christ, especially as they go through some struggles. So let's open up God's Word because there's no more accurate place for us to know about God and how He sees us than than in His own Word. So if you will, turn to the book of Psalms. That's a very easy, what we might call, book to find. It's in the Old Testament, and I'd like you to turn to Psalm 139. And for those of you that were not able to be with us last week or just tuning into this message today, and you didn't get the first part of this, those of us here really love you, and we want you not to be left behind. So I'm going to take just a few moments and bring you to where we are today, very much like you would see in television programs when they're picking you up from the week before. And we're going to do that as well so that everybody could be on the same page. What we learned last week was very simple. We know that psalms mostly are just hymns or songs that are written and then chanted or sung before others but to God. And this one was inspired by the Holy Spirit and given to David, arguably Israel's greatest king, a man after his own heart. But what makes this so special is it's just not a bunch of bleh doctrine that he gives out. It's actually a prayer. It is a doctrine set in a prayer that is set to music or chanting that it would be repeated over and over again from generation to generation and we get a chance through one big chain to hook ourselves to David and how it came to him and now we have it today. So this is holy writ. This is God's mind and heart on paper. It is the way we can look at ourselves through the eyes of God. Now this Psalm 139 has at least three significant attributes of God. One we know is that our God is everywhere present. We know that our God is always powerful in our life, and He is there because He's very sovereign. We also know that He is a God that will take care of us, how faithful and kind and gracious to us. And so I want us to see this God. Now, I do not want to ever minimize your pain, and I cannot always explain, this is why you have this problem, or this is why life has dealt you a low blow. I don't know the exact reason why. But I do know a legitimate reason is still... Because God is God and He has the right to do anything that He wants and everything that we have is by His grace. And no matter how bad it is right now, it could have been worse. And so this is what God is to us. And so we want to celebrate that as we're on the journey of discovering who He is. Now there will be six of these principles and I'm hoping that you will own each principle. You'll study the passage. You'll allow the Lord to take you through the rest of Scripture. Get out some good sound uh, software, Bible teaching tools, and look at these truths about God as it's permeated all throughout Scripture. This isn't just compartmentalized and one little psalm in the Old Testament. It's all throughout Scripture. This is the nature of God and who He is. So let's go back to Psalm 139 now, and let's just have a little bit of a review of the first three from last week. I won't spend time... A lot on this. You can certainly get this material from a CD or you can listen to it on a a previous podcast if you want to, but it's there for you. So let me go over number one for you, and that is that God is all-knowing, therefore He knows what is best for us. Now, it's hard to believe that this is best for us, but since God made us, He's designed us, He's wired us, and we have purpose, that means that whatever this is right now in our life is the very best for us. 
I often say that the best preparation for tomorrow is the best use of today. And so whatever God gives us today in whatever that matter is, whether it's the word or a blessing or a challenge, all of this is to prepare us for tomorrow. And so when we have that preparation, that's getting us ready for what he wants us to do tomorrow in the whole scheme of bringing ultimate glory to him. So God is all-knowing. He knows what's best for us. He knows everything there is about the end from the beginning, but he also knows you completely and intricately. We have two, we have a lot of clocks in our house, but we have two very special clocks. One is a cuckoo clock, and that cuckoo clock we got when I took a group of people to Europe for a Reformation tour. We did a host out there, then we tagged on it a trip to Israel as well. So while we were there, we ended up, obviously, Reformation, we were in Switzerland. And so while we were there, Carol said, hey, we need a cuckoo clock. I said, great, we'll get a cuckoo clock. Little did I know that I would have to carry this cuckoo clock all over Europe, all over Israel, on every plane that we ever were. This before 9-11. And so now this is a very special cuckoo clock. We've had it packed ever since we left to go to Hawaii where we ministered there for 11 years. We took it out of the box and the cuckoo doesn't cuckoo any longer because I think the cuckoo is dead. But anyway, so we had to get it repaired. Next to it, we have another clock that Carol's dad had in business. It's an old-fashioned time clock. It's the kind you would slide your old card in, but you'd have to snap it down and it would then put the date date, date and time on it. And we have that because Carol wants me to clock in and clock out every time I leave. No, 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 no. But that didn't work either. So we took it to the clock shop. I'm not going to tell you which one, but this clockmaker, as smart as he was, and he's well-known in our community here, very, you might have had your clock there. We gave it to him in January, and he said he'd be ready by March. I've been calling him ever since July, and it hasn't been ready yet. And he says, I'm still trying to figure out how to get this, these things to work. So he said, your cuckoo clock is alive. I resurrected him from the dead. We brought him home. He's doing fine. I went to pick up the other clock, and while I'm there, it quit working right in front of him. So it's still there. Why am I telling you this story? It's because this man did not make, construct, manufacture those clocks. He took someone else's clocks. He knows a lot about clocks, but he doesn't know a lot about these clocks. God knows everything about you. He designed the whole scheme of the end from the beginning, all eternity. Humans are a part of God's eternity. We're an island in the sea of God's eternity. So it's all right there for He He made you. So doesn't he know you? And doesn't he know me? And doesn't he know what's best for you and me? Therefore, I want to say, Lord, you're much smarter than I am. I might growl at times. I might question at times. But I'm still going to let you be God. That's principle number one. The second way we look at ourselves through the eyes of God is to know that when we look at ourselves that God is a very good God to us and he really takes care of us because he is everywhere present. There's no place that I can go that God will not see me or know me and know what I need. He will see the good things that I do when others don't and so I'll get my uh, reward from him. He will see the bad things that I do that others won't and I will be disciplined by him. So God is the one who knows everything that I'm about. And he is always faithful to me. And I want you to know he is faithful to you. Now listen to this very thought. I often refer to the term, he is faithful to us. I I think there's a legitimacy in that. But I think that's first level thinking for Christians. He is far more faithful to himself and to his word. All right, now here's what I mean by that. There are times that um, there's Christian leaders around the country and um, I'm often in a position where I would affirm them. I like to affirm people. And one of the things I affirm them is I affirm them that they've been faithful to their calling. They've been faithful to um, 
the lordship of Christ in their life. They've been faithful to the clarity of the gospel and the presentation of it. But I never say so much that they're faithful to their wife. What I say is, thank you for your faithfulness to your vows to your wife. You see, what God is faithful, his integrity is not that he's just faithful to me. He's faithful to himself. He has integrity. He is holy. He cannot break his own faithfulness to his own word. And we just get a chance to be the wonderful byproduct of his faithfulness. Do you catch that? And so I want you to worship a God that is far greater than I am. I don't deserve for him to be faithful to me. But I look at a God who will never go back on his word. That gives me not just joy. Here's what it gives me. Stability in my life. I have, a, I have wonderful parents. They're in heaven now, and I thank the Lord for that. But one of the weaknesses of, of my dad, maybe a weakness, but he would not make promises to us as kids for anything. Can we go to the beach? Ah, we'll see. Dad, will you throw the ball with me? Ah, we'll see. Dad, can I? We'll see. And... Um, the reason he did that is because he never wanted to break my heart by breaking a promise. Sounds pretty logical. But the real problem was this. I never saw my dad then have to sacrifice to keep a promise. You see what I mean? And so what then happened in my life is it taught me that, Stan, in order for people to have more confidence in you, they need to be able to trust you. And the only way they can trust you is to see you in a position where you can't keep your promise, but you sacrifice to keep it. So I look back over to the Lord and I say, you know, the Lord is not only, watch this now, he's not only a promise maker in the word, but he is also a promise keeper in the word. And based on his faithfulness, that gives me the stability to trust him in my life. God is faithful to his own word. So what I really need to do is to find out his word. Because the more I find out about his word, and I know he's going to be true to his word, the more he's going to be faithful. That means I'm going to be a byproduct of all of that. He will then do what he says in his word to me. And that makes him a great God. Now that deserves an amen. You see, God is faithful to us as he was to everyone in the Bible. But then number three, we learn that God is in control of everything that I cannot control. God is in control of everything that I cannot control. So I got thinking about my life, and you might think about your life. What are the things that you cannot control? Well, I really can't always control the stop and go lights that are here. Since we've had the, this hurricane, I, I people in... Orlando, drive wild. <laughs> Being in Hawaii all these years, we would rare, whenever we'd hear a horn honk anywhere, we knew, tourist, tourist, you know. But here they blast the horn just as the light turns green, you know, all that stuff. But I've never seen more accidents as I have here when there's no lights working. I've, I, one after the other, after the accident, after accident, after accident. And I look at all of that stuff and I say, you know, you can't, you, 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 you can't control that. But the biggest thing you can't control is this, you being born. You couldn't be in some cosmic space and say, I think I'd like to be born. And all of a sudden, you're born. God in his infinite wisdom, sovereignty, purpose, way beyond our ability. Even David says, a ways past finding out. We are born. So who I am, when I was born, where I was born, how I was constructed by God, all of that shows that I am not in control, that God in his infinite wisdom says, I am in control of that. So I could go many different directions with this message today, but I'd like to pause and not go so much to what happened to your house, what happened to your job, what happened to your health, what happened to your money. I'd like for just today, because I think it's more true to the context, at least here, is what's happened to you and your body. You're a guy, you're a gal. There's no in-between and iffies. 
And so he made you tall, he made you short, he made you an ethnic background, whatever that might be. He gave you certain strengths, certain weaknesses, physically speaking, certain capacities to think, certain eyesight ability, hearing ability, speaking ability. He just made you, you. You're so different. You all are different, and we're going to celebrate that. And so that brings us now to new material. If I'm going to look at myself through the eyes of God, I know that God is going to do something very special. And here it is, number four. Let's begin with new material. God is always good to me. I was sharing that this was going to be a point today, and the person I shared it with says, I do not want to miss Sunday. I want to see how you unpack that God is always good to me. Oddly, they're not here today. All right, number four. It's always that way, it seems. Let me read to you this passage, but I need to unpack it. This is not just something we blast through just because we believe in pro-life. There's a lot of rich teaching in here. So let's begin. David is now expressing himself, his heart to the Lord, and he says, For you formed my inward parts. In other words, well, however you're made, God made you. And remember, God doesn't make junk. We then decide what's junk and not junk. God doesn't do that. For you formed my inward parts. So however you want to look at that inward parts, soul, spirit, gift, whatever, I think it means everything about you. Then it says, you wove me in my mother's womb. And that's what God did. You formed, you wove. We can make a lot out of the Hebrew words for formed and wove, but for right now, I think you kind of get the idea. Basically, that's what it means. But I want you to know what the response should be. I will give thanks to you. I want to slow down, and I want you to really meditate on that for a moment. Are you satisfied with the way God made you physically, the way God made you internally, and maybe what God and how God made you as far as your life? Can you come to the point to say, I thank you, Lord? It's not self-love. It's worship of the Lord for that which he has made, for now we are made to bring glory to him, and it's through this capacity of who I am in all parts of it that I give glory to the Lord. So I thank the Lord that I am the way I am because the way I am and the way I could be, I'm giving it now to you, Lord. Can you say thanks? Can you thank God for your sight problems? Can you thank God for issues that you're going through right now, things that you wish you could do, can't do? Have you thought and said, thank you, Lord, in a humble way for the good things about you that you still can do that maybe others can't. And don't feel guilty about that because we have to give an account of how we're going to use the way God made us. So he says, I thank you. Then he says, and it really gets cool here, his response is, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. Now, if you meditated on that, look at how cool this gets. He's saying, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And then he says, and your works, my life, is wonderful. What he's really saying subtly here is, I'm a wonderful person. Now, we're not getting into the sin thing because we're all wicked and depraved. I get all of that. And because of that nature, we do bad things. We get all of that. We'll make wrong choices just out of our own ignorance or a lack of remembering that which we should be doing. All that, I get all of that. But bottom line is, we are still created in the image God. He does not make junk. We may junk up what he made. (laughs) You know where I'm going with junk food. But at the same time, we ourselves are not junk with God. So that behooves me to accept who I am 
by a wonderful, gracious, creative God and now say, why did you make me this way? Not, why did you make me this way? No, it's, why did you make me this way? You made me a tool. And a to- not a toy and not a weapon, but a tool to build or repair others or life. Let's go a little bit further. So I'm wonderful. And then it says, my soul knows it very well, which is like your emotions. It's not like you have a head knowledge of all of this. It's like, I know this. My soul knows this. This is, this, is, this is who I am. And I will celebrate this, not because I'm good, but because God is good. God says that I'm wonderful. Therefore, based on his word, I'm saying what he's saying. Then he says, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Some people like to say that's a poetic way that some of the Hebrews like to refer to conception in the womb. Some like to say even in times of distress. It doesn't really matter. It's God has used others to make you, you, the way you are. And how special that is. That's where I get the phrase that you're in the mind of God before you're ever in your mother's womb. But it even gets more interesting after that. He says, your eyes have seen my unformed substance. What a huge phrase. If I was unformed, that means he saw me like an architect would see it in his mind. Then he sees the unformed building on his architectural schematic. Then he knows that from that, the builders are going to come in and erect this thing. And every building has some form of a purpose. So it's an unformed substance. And then it says, I love this part, and in your book, in other words, God has a journal of my life. It's like I, I, I have a biography of my life. But God wrote it. It says, and in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me. In other words, nothing happened as an uh-oh with God. Everything is what God planned, either by purpose or by permission, but it's ordained of him. Then it says, when as yet there was not one of them. That means God knows what you're going to experience this afternoon at your house. God knew when this gal got a phone call that her house was cut in half. God already knew that before the storm was ever um, came into fruition. God knows what's going to happen to you tomorrow. And he's not wringing his hands. And all of it is to have ultimate purpose. Probably the verse that gives me the greatest comfort and yet is the most difficult for me to understand in its reality is the verse when Job says this. By the way, for you new folks, maybe that know that Job is a, is a book in the Bible about a man in the Bible who was extremely wealthy, had a wonderful family, he was a godly man, he even did special sacrifices to, to honor the Lord on behalf of his kids and all of that, and storms and enemies and all of that wiped out everything that he owned, his family, everything except his wife who said to him, curse God down, die, you know, get out of here, that kind of thing. And yet when all of that happened, in all of his frailty, and his health then crashes, horribly crashes, we had to scrape all the junk off his body with, 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 a, with a, like a, a, potter, a, a piece of pottery to get all the dead skin and pus off of him. And yet he could look up to God, at times questioning, as we all would, but his core value was simply this. Here it is. Though you slay me, yet will I trust in you. Now that's where I want to go, moment by moment. That's the kind of trust that says no matter what is still facing me, including death, I will still trust you. Now folks, I want to be real frank with you, real transparent with you. I wish every day I felt like that. I can promise you this. 
every single moment of every day of my life that I'm awake, I do want to have that kind of attitude. But I don't always have that. And I know that's where I need to go, and that's the journey that I'm headed on. But I can tell you the truths of Psalm 139 alone get me farther down the road on being that way and thinking that way than any other truth. That there is a future. He does know about it, and it is good for you. Even though that book hasn't been completely written yet. Some of you that know me a little bit better than others know that uh, they ask me, do you have a hobby? I don't really have time much for a hobby, but if you want to know what I do to kind of kick back, I like to read. And what I like to read, for me, uh, when I'm just wanting to be inspired, is biographies of uh, great men and women who are Christian, generally missionaries. But I don't often read, very rarely do I ever read biographies or autobiographies of Christians who are doing phenomenal things but are still alive. And the reason is the last chapter hasn't been written in their book. All right? But I like to read those that have finished well. But even though when they finished well, God already knew that they would, they didn't. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us Make It Clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear.